And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello. Welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, and today we're going to talk with Mike Wang, a certified financial planner and certified kingdom advisor at Private Vista. I'm an attorney and a partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys that focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. We do everything from zoning to estate planning, uh, from not-for-profit administration to religious freedom. You can find out more about us by going to malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com or call 312-726-1243. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter to keep up to date on developments about faith and the law. Uh, Mike Wang first began his faith-based financial services as a fellow attorney and is currently a board member for Christian Legal Society, uh, its Northern Illinois chapter. By integrating biblical principles at Private Vista, Mike now helps others build a strong foundation for their future through financial planning. Mike, fellow attorney, fellow member of Christian Legal Society, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rich. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, Mike, we've known each other for a long time. Uh, You have uh, become very specific in the type of law and the type of uh, advising that you're doing. I noticed your title included not just certified financial planner, but certified kingdom advisor. Uh, I have a zillion questions for you on this, but let's start with what is a certified kingdom advisor? A certified kingdom advisor is a designation that's granted by uh, a kingdom advisors, which is a Christian organization that was originally founded by Ronald Blue, um, whom you may know as a well-known Christian author, financial planner, CPA, um, professional and teacher himself. And so Ron wanted to found this organization to train up Christian financial professionals in biblical wisdom. So many of us have other designations, professional designations and continuing education for financial planning. He wanted to make sure that we are able to incorporate biblical wisdom with our counsel, with our clients. So I see that you're a CFP, as they call it, a certified financial planner. What additional um, value does this Uh, kingdom advisor designation bring? So the kingdom advisor designation uh, just says that we've gone through a similar amount of training, typically 20, 25 plus hours of biblical wisdom and how to incorporate that into our financial counsel. So if, uh, so as a, as a, as a fellow believer, for those who appreciate that kind of advice, we can bring what the Bible, what the Bible has to say into uh, light of their situation. Well, that's going to be one of my questions. What does the Bible have to say? But even before I do that, um, I would imagine that your training didn't end with 25 hours of, of preparation. Is that true? That's true. No, it, it didn't. And just like just like as a lawyer, as you know, there's continuing legal education. Um, I think it's as we study the Bible, for example, it's something that we continually want to do uh, to learn and incorporate. And it's still, it's still a process for me. I'm still learning as well. God has plenty to teach all the time. I would imagine. And, and my understanding is that you're also – working with others who are uh, still 
so you're meeting with them, you're associating, new ideas are coming up, uh, different plans are being discussed. Is that correct as well? Yes, that's right. Okay, now before we get into this question of what does the Bible have to say about finances, tell me a little bit about your firm, uh, Private Vista. Okay, so Private Vista, we are a firm of about uh, 35 uh, people. We have approximately 15 to 20 professional advisors and support staff, and we do holistic financial planning for all of our clients. Uh, we look at it big picture um, and how to integrate uh, all of their goals and what they want to accomplish in life and how they can do it sort of in their, in their vision, in their private vista, if you will. Who would be clients that would be likely to call you? Uh, so many of the people that, that call us, would, our typical clients would look like uh, they would be business owners, they'd be professionals, they could be retirees, um, they could, you know, they come from all walks of life, and uh, they just have financial questions and are trying to figure out, uh, you know, what to do and 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 how best to do it. So, having given that background, I'm going to start with the big question, and it, it's so big, I don't know, I'm, I'm interested how you'll answer it, Mike. What does the Bible have to say about finances? That's a good question, Rich. It, it actually has uh, quite a lot to say about finances. There's over 2,300 verses in the Bible that relate to finances and money and stewardship. So I think our Lord Jesus uh, had quite a bit to say about finances and had quite a bit to teach us. Okay, so as, as we start this, before I go on, um, this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker of the law firm of Malkin Baker. Uh, today, attorney and CFP Mike Wang of My Private Vista is with us to discuss what the Bible says about how we should handle our finances. So you say the Bible's talking about finances, and you advocate a biblical approach to finances, money management. What is that approach? If someone were to come to you, Mike, what would you be discussing with them? Uh, so Ronald Blue... Um, says that a biblical approach to finances is the only rational approach to money management because it works at all times uh, for any person and in any circumstance and in any walk of life. And so one of the other things that God's word uh, says to us specifically in James 1 is he, he gives us supernatural wisdom. So that's something that we have. It, it's a tool that we have, right? If any of you lacks wisdom, we should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But then he also cautions, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Well, okay. I, immediately, I think about some of the admonitions of Jesus uh, in, in dealing with money. And um, I'm almost afraid to approach uh, God with regard to money because I think, well, he'll tell me to give it all away. So, <laughs> so how do you handle that when, when I come into your office and, and I'm, I'm working with that biblical principle of generosity? Yeah. Uh, so that's a great that's a great point. So uh, a lot of people hesitate uh, due to fear, confusion, and also the world's influence. And so I think what we have to do is we have to look at all the different things that we that we want to accomplish that we believe that God is asking us to do, and we have to continually come before Him and pray and ask for that wisdom, um, and and see what he, uh, see what He would like us to do. So He while He may ask uh, you, Rich, to give away all of your assets, He might not be asking the same thing of me. All right. So the rich young ruler uh, parable doesn't apply to every single Christian, I take it then. I, no, I don't think so. And I think, you know, you look at you look at all around the world and we have uh, we have some very successful uh, f uh, Christians who are doing well financially. And maybe perhaps they've been called to give more um, of what they have in terms of time, talent and treasure. Um, but not necessarily that doesn't mean that the, the person who has less doesn't have anything to give. Look at the widow, the, the, the widow who gave her, her two copper points. Right. 
And uh, Jesus really uh, made a point of pointing that out to his disciples, what, what a sacrifice that was. But she did it joyously. So if I were to come to you and I did have a burden to be generous, then you would work with me on my plan to be able to accomplish my responsibilities and everything like that, but also to be generous. Is that correct? Yeah, no, and I would love to do that. And one of the advantages of working with Christian financial professionals is we can help with uh, developing the right tools um, in place that would help you to accomplish that and maybe also uh, use the tax laws, which uh, would be in your favor to do that. Whereas with a secular professional, they might say to you something like, well, you know, Rich, that might not be such a good idea. You're giving away money. Why would you do that? If you keep it, you would be better off with it. I'm almost off script here, but I'm actually getting your advice, Mike, over the radio for free. So I like I like this scenario quite a bit. Um, I raise a dilemma for you. Okay, a, a dilemma is uh, I feel a great obligation to my family uh, in in inheritance matters, but I also feel a great obligation to be generous uh, and support a lot of other ministries, and as I see it, to support the kingdom advancing. What kind of advice do you give to someone who's working in a situation like that? That's a great question. So I think that, that and that's a common dilemma, a common sort of uh, thing that we're going to feel. We're going to feel this push and pull of all these you know, different directions. So a couple of principles that, that, uh, that I'll bring out. One is um, we, all, we all have limited resources. Um, secondly, we all have unlimited ways to spend them. Um, now, in terms of that's a great answer. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but in terms of uh, in terms of providing uh, for family, that is very important. First uh, Timothy five talks about providing for our families, and and if we as believers do not provide for our relatives, and especially for those of our own household, it's said that you know, that we are actually worse than an unbeliever. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're honoring our responsibilities to our families. But I think at the same time, we also want to be prayerfully coming before God and saying, how, how Lord, would you want us to, um, you know, impact that? If I'm married, you know, that means my wife and I, Laura and I are coming before the Lord and prayerfully asking on a regular basis, how would he want us to choose? One of the things I'm hearing you saying that I think is really important is that it's not cookie cutter. No, it's What not. God is doing with me may be very, very different than what he's calling another person to do. And that in my... Uh, counsel with you, you would be working on listening to what God was doing with me rather than just general biblical principles like give it all away or um, take care of your family or something like that. That's right. And, and I, I think that's really important to know what your purpose that God is calling you to um, is in order to really be able to make these determinations. So you've just pointed out to me one really valuable part of what your profession or ministry is, and that's to listen with the person to what God is saying so that they can order their affairs in a way that honors God. Well, that's right. And I think it's also very important, particularly for married couples, to be on the same page. Oh, that is very, very true. Uh, Coming up, we'll talk further with uh, Mike Wang about biblically inspired uh, principles and an approach to helping others manage their money and financially plan for their future. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. (music) 
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, partner with the law firm of Malkin Baker, and we're talking with Mike Wang, financial advisor and certified kingdom advisor at Private Vista. Mike, when we uh, went to break, you began to talk about how you work with couples and making sure they're on the same page. Give us a little more of your thoughts about that. Right. So that's a great question. So we don't, we don't, I'm not in the business of telling people what they should do, what I think God wants them to do. Rather, we all come before God on a regular basis and ask him and seek him out for wisdom. So I encourage my couple clients to pray together and I will actually offer to pray with them while I'm there in the meeting um, as they seek God's wisdom on how they want to make a decision, a particular decision. If we think about it, God really doesn't need our money anyway. And when we say our money, it's not even really ours to start with. It's his, it's his to begin with. And so I encourage them to seek the Lord and take the time to get on the same page. Because if one of them is, is in disagreement, uh, that's probably not a good situation for them to, to continue to move forward based on the uncomfortability of that spouse. Give me an example that's happened in your counseling with, in, in that area where there was disagreement and, and what happened? So I think we had a couple who, um, well, so I'm trying, I'm trying to think if this has actually happened or not, but a common scenario would, would be like this. Um, so one, one spouse wants to give, the other one doesn't. And so they're at an impasse. What do we do? Um, and so in that particular situation, I would counsel them, come before the Lord and pray about it. And if it gets to the point where the one person just really doesn't want to, we can counsel them and just say, all right, well, until you feel that the Lord has put you both on the same page, maybe you don't give. Um, now that sounds counterintuitive. It almost sounds anti-godly, um, but in some ways, again, God doesn't need our money. He wants our hearts. I, I think also there's a lot packed into what it means to give. Because probably the one who didn't want to give probably didn't want to give outside of the family, but did want to give and was particularly concerned about maybe the needs of the family as opposed to um, more abstract needs of, of the poor or something like this. So I think part of that is both of the couple, uh, both persons in, in the uh, marriage really defining what their concerns are, my guess is both have generosity and know that you can't take it with you. So you, you will give it one way or another, but the question is to whom and uh, what are my priorities? So I I would think that's a very important thing. All right. So let me just switch thoughts a little bit. Why do you think more people don't take, more Christians don't take a biblical approach to their finances? Well, I think several things, fear and confusion. Certainly, there's a lot of information that comes at us all the time um, and kind of freezes us. And the other, I think, is the world's influence. I mean, the world really has an influence on what we do. Or well, let's take do. the first, unpack this a little bit, because I'm really interested in this and probably subject to everything you're talking about. Fear and confusion, like what? Okay. So fear is, if, if, I, make this, if I make this choice or this decision, something will happen and I'll, I'll end up regretting it, right? So if I invest in this particular venture and it goes bad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to regret it myself. Or if I don't invest in this and it goes up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to regret it, right? <laughs> okay. All right. Um, or it, you know, fear that if I, you know, if I don't buy this house or move into this neighborhood, I, I won't, my kids won't get the education that I need, you know, those types of things, right? So that's fairly common. Uh, confusion in the standpoint that if we pick up the newspaper, if we listen, turn on the TV, listen to the news, 
everything we read, you can find contradictory things on pretty much any topic. Well, I just had this thought when you said that, okay, it was 1973 and I, uh, uh, President Nixon had uh, nearly been impeached and he resigned just before it happened. And there was an oil crisis taking place. And I was in Europe and I read Time magazine and the cover said economy collapsing. So I came home to the United States fearful that our economy was going to collapse on the basis of information, which was uh, turned out, well, it was Time Magazine, so it turned out to be quite inaccurate. So at any rate, um, so fear and confusion, there's a lot of different products out there. For instance, if I came to you and said, I have this broker approaching me on such and such an annuity, and it promises to pay out 12% on a yearly basis for my life and my wife's life, um, there's a lot of confusion and about products as well. So do you also work in that area and help them sort those questions out? We do. We, we um, go through the various different options and vehicles that are available and try to figure out, once we've spent the time understanding our clients' goals and objectives, we can better understand what uh, types of tools or financial products would fit for them and which are appropriate. And I would just uh, give a principle here. Proverbs 28.20 says, A faithful person will be richly blessed but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. And so when, as a biblical principle, what we'll say with our clients is, you know, don't worry about the financial products. What you need to understand first are what are your goals and objectives? And what we do is we help them to understand the alternatives and what will fit into the approach once we understand your goals and objectives. A salesperson is going to come in and say to you, hey, here's something that's really great, an annuity, whatever it is that's going to do all these things. I tell people, if you want higher return, there is always always higher risk that you're taking, whether or not you're being told it or not. There's no, there's no uh, secret investing in that regard. I may have an exception to that. Uh, the kingdom of God and in investing mm. in following Jesus. Uh, it's a fairly significant investment. I will admit that, but the return is just incomparable. So I may, I may challenge you on that one thing. I agree. I agree. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker of the firm Malkin Baker. We're speaking with Mike Wang, a certified financial planner and certified kingdom advisor who uses a biblical approach to wealth management. Uh, Mike, let me move on. Um, give me some helpful financial principles uh, as I'm thinking about Oh, uh, my financial future, even my estate plan. What, what, what are some of the principles you'd recommend? Okay. So financial principles are great in that they're timeless. They apply to everyone in every situation. So some of the ones that come to mind are spend less than you earn, do this for a long time. Proverbs 13, 11 talks about whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Another one would be avoid the use of debt. Um, now, this doesn't mean you can never borrow. Um, but uh, in general, the, uh, the Bible warns us about uh, the use of debt. Another one is to give generously and do so on a regular basis. Proverbs 3 talks about honoring the Lord with our wealth, with the first fruits of our crops, and then our barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I'm going to stop you right there because one of, the, one of the very specific questions, you know a lot of people ask this, uh, uh, is it biblical to tithe? Tell, give us a. We're getting sidetracked there, but it's a, a great question, and it's on so many people's minds. So, uh, give generously. So, does that mean I should be tithing? All right. So let's so let's talk about giving. Um, let's talk about a principle first in the New Testament, Second Corinthians nine um, six and seven, where it talks about whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also sow generously. 
Um, each person should give uh, what they have decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. Um, so, I have to tell our radio listeners here that Mike's looking me right in the eyes. He's not reading that from anywhere. That's coming from his heart. Go ahead, Mike. So I, I think, you know, um, tithing is an Old Testament principle. And we can go back and talk about tithing as a 10% of, you know, do you say it's gross? Do you say it's net? But there are also other principles that talk about tithing as being, there could, be, there could have been three different tithes in the Old Testament. So you had a tithe, you know, to the, to, to the storehouse or to the local church or to your, not the church back then, but it would have been, you know, to the temple, to the, leave, uh, to the priests. You had another one for, um, for, the, for the feasts in which you would, uh, the people would, periodically go to Jerusalem, bring their families and celebrate a feast of the Lord. Then you had another tithe that was every three years for the poor people. And so if you add those up together, because there's every three years, that's probably about 23% potentially. That we're so Israel had sales tax. <laughs> that, that's right. <laughs> okay. They definitely had something. And Jesus does not say, he doesn't say that the tithe is gone. In fact, he, he uh, encourage us, encourages us and Paul encourages us to give generously. He talked about the Macedonians in 2 Corinthians 9. And so there was a lot of sacrificial giving, and, uh, but there was a lot of joyful giving. And so I think the encouragement is that we, we understand Scripture. We understand what God wants for us. And part of the reason that, um, that giving um, should be done generously and cheerfully is that it actually frees us. It frees us, believe it or not, from um, the, the bondage of of uh, materialism. So, how how have you seen that work out with co- uh, clients you've counseled? Yeah, so that's it's it's a tough one in the sense that uh, this is not something that uh, we have to. You know, I'll bring this up to see where people are and just getting getting them to think about it, but. I have to do so in a way that's that's not uh, judging or that's not in any way, um, uh, you know, saying this is what you should or you shouldn't do. Um, and I tend to be uh, probably like you. I think, you know, we like stories. We like uh, to encourage. And I think we like to encourage. And I'll, I'll share stories of, of things that have happened in my life or other people's lives to encourage people and, and to get them to think in that way. Uh, Mike, we're running out of time. And I have just begun with my questions for you. <laughs> Um, I'm hoping I can bring you back and we can talk more about this. But at this point, um, thanks for coming on today. How can people learn more about Private Vista and how can they get in touch with you? Thank you, Rich. Uh, so you can go to our website, www.myprivatevista.com, and you can call us at 312-831-4431. And I'd be happy to come back, Rich. And thank you for all that you and Malk and Baker are doing for um, for Chicago, for the for the nation, and uh, and your ministry. If you have any uh, legal needs or a question and want a perspective from a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243. Again, that's 312-726-1243 or at malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. We are a Christian law firm based in Chicago, and we serve churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals in their legal needs. Call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Again, that number, 312-726-1243. You can also find us at Twitter and Facebook. God bless you, and have a wonderful day. I'm Rich Baker, partner with the firm of Mauk and Baker. This is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. have to serve somebody Yes indeed You're gonna have to serve somebody